Hi, I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Dave Kroc. And this is the LifeWork Podcast. In this show, we'll explore what it really takes to build a business while designing a life that matters. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 5.5 of Life Work. I am Megan Francis here with Dave Kroc. This week, we have been talking about pivots, how to make changes in your business, why to make changes in your business, um, the different businesses we can look to as examples of how to do that and how not to do that. Um, I'm just going to quickly kind of sum up what we've talked about this week in case you're just catching up with us now. If so, you should definitely go back and listen to episodes 5.1, 5.2, 5.3, and 5.4. If you don't know because you're just joining us, um, this show is set up around a daily schedule, which means we are with you every single day. We publish at 6 a.m. Eastern time every morning. So we want to be part of your work week or your commute or your morning run or whatever it is you're doing at 6 a.m. Or I mean, you don't have to listen to us at 6 a.m., but <laughs> I mean, hey, it'd be cool. <laughs> it'd be cool if everyone... We're, I'm not up at that point. I don't know what, <laughs> no, what you guys either. do at your house, but... Nope, nope, nope. I am not. I'm not that much of an early riser. Um, but this week, we talked, we've talked. we talked about tools and techniques and resources to help you kind of learn how to pivot. And we interviewed Barbara Jones, who is this awesome person who had a career in the music industry and then transitioned into social media. Um, doing essentially sort of some of the same things. Yeah, I liked in, her phraseology. Like yeah. she talked about, she used to build um, essentially like the fan teams. I think fan she called teams, them yeah. fans for for bands. Yeah, and then she transitioned to building fans for brands. Yeah, which I thought was a that's a and great it way even to look rhymes. At. Yeah. So um, that was yesterday. That was five point four. That's a great actually kind of way to I don't know almost intro this topic. Yeah. I think today's topic. So today what we're we're kind of wrapping up this topic, but what we're going to be talking specifically about is how to evolve your skills and experience into new ventures. Um, the idea that pivots never really stop happening. It's not like mm-hmm. you you know change things up once and then that's it or start a business and never make a change or right. never you missed once else. i had to make a small yeah. adjustment and then you're done right yeah. exactly um so i know dave has some great examples of what this has looked like in, in your business and also in other business some very recognizable businesses so that we're going to talk about but dave first talk about how this has looked in in your in your history as a business owner yes so to all the pivots i've known before <laughs> <laughs> and it has been a great many um, actually my, my whole like development as an entrepreneur is a series of pivots. Like the idea when I first got started, the first, what I had to work with the, the hypothesis, so to speak was, Hey, I've read a lot of things on how to be successful in business and I've used all the free time from being unemployed and unemployable to do that. So now I can start to interact with people that have businesses who could maybe utilize that knowledge that right. I've developed. So I would start consulting and coaching and after a period of time, I just kind of got sick of making other people successful. And so then I pivoted to, to starting my own thing. So still the same knowledge, the same experience base, um, it moved into developing my own companies. And so some of the first things that I did were in real estate. You know, I would do some small time real estate investing, um, had a few other guys that I had partnered up with and we had created this new model for lending, um, to real estate investors, um, which actually could work. We actually had a provisional patent on it, um, but we weren't the right people to start that company. So we disbanded and all went and did our separate things, but um, had to pivot away from that, right? So get down the path a little bit, realize that's not the model. So I moved into a different form of investing. And so that led to kind of combining real estate and business. And so that's why a lot of the, the businesses that I have now have a real estate component and a business component. Um, and then some of the things are virtual. You know, I think as you develop and move along, I think it becomes easier to understand 
understand what what could be the opportunity that's in front of you can i develop this do it well and have it be something that works i think you get easier it gets easier making that leap that we talked about earlier in the week so so those those are some examples i've actually got one business right now that i'm actually undergoing sort of a a pseudo major pivot in the the model pseudo major yeah pseudo major so i'm not going to give away (laughs) all the details Uh, we can talk about it in a future episode once once things are complete but the idea of exploring different ways of distributing the model so previously we had sort of owned the whole supply chain Mm -hmm. right we had owned the the means of production and the the actual items themselves that we were we were selling and so we're moving over into testing out the idea of managing those items in having somebody else own them and we operate so our skills were in logistics our skills are in the operations of that business and so we have the opportunity to pivot a little bit and streamline the organization so it doesn't need as much capital up front for the, yeah. the things that we do. So um, that's one one way we're doing it right now. But it but your eyes have to be wide open to that opportunity. And like we talked about earlier in the week, you can't be you can't have your fists closed really tightly around what you think is you the, know, I, the thing, the thing, the thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, that reminds me of the story you shared earlier this week. I think it was episode 5.3 where you talked about, or maybe it was 5.2. I don't know. It's all starting to run together in a really good way. Um, where you saw, talked about Kimberly Clark owning a yeah. paper mill Yep. and then moving away from that. Yeah. But they still have paper products. Indeed. So they were in, in, in essence managing, operating and branding, yeah. I suppose. Absolutely. The supply chain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their, their skills and the things that they did best were in those areas. Yeah. Know, developing those brands and putting them to market and whatnot. So they didn't, they didn't need to be milling paper. Right. That, that wasn't the thing that was their, their hedgehog concept. Right. Know, the thing that they could be the best in the world at, that they had passion for and that the, the market needed. So. so let me ask you this. When it gets beyond just you and you've got a team that you're trying to decide what's, what are your your uh, skills of your team, it seems more complicated than figuring out what your own skills are because as a collective, um, it just looks different. So how, how have you determined that, that your skills are more in the managerial and operating side, not just for yourself? Some of it is realizing it as it's happening. As you go down the road, you see what your team is great at. You see what your organization is built for. And you see, and sometimes maybe neither one of those things are right. Maybe you've got a horrible team and you need to fire everybody and you've got the wrong (laughs) business that you're in, but the core behind what you were doing, you know, you can move to. Haven't had any experiences like that. But when you assess your team and you assess how things are unfolding, this is the idea of being vigilant to what is happening in front of you. Not just, this is the way it is. This is the way we've done it. Right. Continue. This is the market is going to be in this place forever. You know, that kind of a thing. I, I think having the watching what is happening in front of you watching how some team members are strong in this this area other team members are strong in that mm-hmm. area and you've got this core core group of skills that you can then deploy differently and you might see hey you know what we thought we were going to do we were, we were going to own the mills if we're kimberly clark right and we realized we're really good at branding and developing products and launching things and, and hey we can get paper from somewhere right else. right somebody else can make paper for us right we don't need to be in this old business model let's let's pivot to that and then deploy those things differently and i think the part of it is your team needs to be ready your team needs to be okay with making those changes. I mean, you can cram change down the throat of the organization, which sometimes is necessary, but is not probably the best approach. But if you've got an organization, an organization where you are focused on how can we be improving? Right. How can we pivot? What, what is different that we can do along the way? People are used to some of those things. And so some of the bigger pivots that you need to make aren't, aren't quite that big of a leap. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, going from this idea of having 
a small company or maybe just you and you and one other person or a small staff where everyone has to be kind of be good at multiple things. Like everyone yeah. sort of has to spread it around a little bit. Yep. How do you go from being pretty good at a lot of things to being the best at one thing? Yeah. And that's tough. I mean, even if you're the, the basic talents are already there and the knowledge is, is kind of there and like the skills are emerging. Right. Like making that leap. Yeah. I don't know. How do you see that kind of playing out for you? Sure. Well, personally, like for me as the the business owner, yeah. the, the guy that started it or whatever role I have in the business, I, I think it's important to see the writing on the wall. I think it's important not to be tied up in your own ego about what you do and what you're good at. Um, what you actually are good at mm-hmm. is what you need to focus on. Um, I think uh, as you develop as you develop along the way, and I think Julie talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Julie, Julie Cole in her interview, uh, or actually last week, where how they, they just recognize this just needs to happen. Yeah. We just need to do this. There's, and then no, you, there's you, no other choice. You coach <laughs> yeah. people through that. And I think that that process of creative destruction where you, you have to move in a different direction. So that means breaking things a little bit. That means yeah. the system has to change. That means me, if I think I'm used to doing things a certain way, I have to adapt. That's what I love about the, uh, I don't know, it's survival of the fittest, mm-hmm. you know, in a free market. The idea that the market and the competition and the the approach that you take you're actually building better and better things for people that need them. Yeah. And that creative destruction that occurs in that process is absolutely necessary. And so you just have to be attuned to that. You yeah. just have to be bought into the idea that you will have to change yeah. and be ready for it. And actually be proactive and thinking about it before it, it, it is a afterthought or absolutely needs to happen for survival. I think one of the recurring themes that we've touched on the last few weeks in particular is that you don't have to know everything going in. No. And... People who are successful at business aren't necessarily that much smarter than you or that much more learned in certain areas than Mm you. Um, Maybe it's the willingness to learn, the willingness to put in the time, the willingness to take a risk. And like Barbara said yesterday in her interview, so much of it is just about faking it, pretending like you know what you're talking about, asking the right people. You know, when she made her her move from music to social media, she didn't know anybody in social media. It wasn't like she already had an established presence there. But she was willing to ask questions. She dug. And same thing with Julie Cole. I mean, really yeah. was willing to dig in, find mentors, network with the right people, learn what she had to learn and fake it. Right. A little till they Absolutely. <laughs> actually became the best at what they do. And, and it's a process. You don't just become the best and then go, all right. Yeah. You got to visualize yourself there already in right. a way. Right. Yeah. And then you and then you kind of that comes to reality as you right. as you keep charging forward and getting better at what you thought you could learn and and, and, all and continuing to learn new things because you can never really get complacent. I mean, we've talked a lot about complacency right. this week as well. I mean, yeah. it's not good enough to, to have your widget. That's the best widget right. in 2016. Nope. Isn't going to necessarily last yeah. into the next year. So when well, pivoting, pivoting before you, you're stuck having to pivot, I yes. think is important. And so that's the, the proactivity angle yeah. is is really important no, another thing i want to talk about is the idea that you think large companies large organizations that have been around forever don't think about this stuff as much right and a perfect example is example is coke coca-cola that company's been around for a long long time you think why would coke need to pivot why would they need <laughs> right. to change things everybody already loves coke everybody already, lo- already loves coke they're not going to change the recipe right we know when they tried that, it didn't work, right. but they've recovered. Their can is always going to be red. Yeah, they've recovered and yeah. they're better now. You know, the, the idea that um, a large company you think wouldn't have to do much of this stuff mm-hmm. is actually what I love about what Coke is doing. In, in 2014, they launched a program called Coca-Cola Founders. And so they kind of look at it from the standpoint 
of almost a new model for creating startups where large organization actually partners with experienced entrepreneurs that are outside of the organization who have done done some things to kind of partner up and solve problems the way they do it and this is what's great about it is so a large company like coke i'm sure internally they've got like a problem or two they need to solve a better better way of distributing products or a better way of um uh, creating on-demand services i want to coke right now or whatever different ways for improving their business and so what they do is they partner with experienced entrepreneurs around the world uh sort of immerse them in coke's culture the idea of their relationships resources and reach before they actually create a startup and what they do is they they focus together on it so coke with the resources the entrepreneur with the flexibility and the pivoting and the the stuff that entrepreneurs do right and then they they create a new business model to solve a problem that is internal to coke or is kind of next to coke it's complementary to what they do and so then coke kind of retains a minor, minority share in that company and it launches and what I love about that, it's win-win for everybody. You know, they're yeah. able to create some, a little bit of an advantage for themselves because they're bringing in outside people. You know, you, you quite often you have a large organization that doesn't move or change very fast. Yeah. And so what they do is they set these, these organizations up, these new startups up outside of their organization, able to operate independently but solving problems within Coke. And so now they're able to take this large organization and be flexible and be able to pivot and solve problems in a, in a really cool fashion. So that is really cool. And, and, and you see when I was just actually reading a story last week about why, um, Royal Crown Cola never took off. Yeah. Which uh, John, my husband John, says is the king of colas and it is his preferred cola. Oh, I but see. But it never the, got the, the... The RC. The RC, yes. yes. It never got the market share of a Coke and it's, you know, impossible. We could, you know, if we could compare that to VHS and Betamax and why one took off and the other didn't and obviously RC is still around. It's not like it doesn't exist, but it's definitely not the giant right. that Coke is. And, you know, was, was there an opportunity to change things up when the Coke Wars were happening what? and yeah. the, cola, the cola wars, the cola wars were happening. And is there an opportunity now? Because it's a niche. Like there are people who really love RC Cola. Is there an opportunity to reach out to those people? And the idea that you don't have to be the huge, you don't have to be the biggest player right? to have a very successful and satisfying business that really meets your, your values and your brand yep. values and all that. So yep. yeah, there's different two sides of the same coin. It's, it's pretty I amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. But the whole idea is even a company as big as Coke or RC or mm-hmm. any of those other ones, you know, they're not, they're not sitting back saying we're, you know, we've reached the mountaintop. Right. We're just, we've arrived. It's yeah. time to just kind of rest and relax and enjoy the, the spoils of our, <laughs> right. our plundering. Eating you know? like these enormous turkey legs with their hands and like cramming grapes in their, and just like, right. I'm like a with, medieval feast. With minstrels <laughs> yes, running exactly. around and entertaining and, yeah. And stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, I wanted to touch. We we talked earlier this week, and I thought this was fascinating. About um, we talked about YouTube, and you told me that something I didn't know was that it started off as a dating site. Yeah, a video dating, a site. video dating yeah. site, and then you know, kind of through other like a large pivot, and then some smaller pivots ended up really focusing on user generated content. Um, and what I, what occurred to me when you were saying this, and it just seemed to fit today, is knowing you have a platform that has, you know, just infinite possibilities in the ways it can be used. Yeah. What is the benefit of deciding, nope, we're going to use it for this purpose mm-hmm. as opposed to making copies of it and right, trying right. to then create it for other purposes. Um, and I mean, I, I'm sure you could probably any platform, yeah, any business model really right, right. could be done that way. Yep. Probably the one that you're the mysterious one that you're talking about. 
could the, be a, the pseudo, yeah, the pseudo pivot or whatever. The pseudo pivot, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. I guess that's me. That's me saying we're not really changing the whole company. But right. We're pivoting in a small way. I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. So but it's, a, I, it's a pivot. It's a pivot. But where where do you decide to pivot rather than start something new to copy? I mean, it's just it's yeah. a yeah it's yeah. a endless. So if if it's you repeating, right? If it's you starting multiple things, sometimes you find something that works and you can move it into different markets, a model, right? But I I think across companies and across, um, I guess, industries and whatnot, there's this this popular concept of taking what Uber did for ride sharing Mm -hmm. and applying that model to other things, you know. And then you hear a lot of founders say, "We're the we're the Uber of." you know toiletries delivery service i need (laughs) i'm out of tp i need some right now boom here comes toilet paper you know or groceries or whatever you hear a lot of people taking the model and replicating the model because it's worked and that becomes the hot thing to to focus on but a lot of it has to do with trends right so Mm -hmm. somebody like uber realized that people were willing to get into a car with a stranger who is not a taxi cab driver right and this person just has a car, so here's a Ford Escort pulling up, and you're hopping in the back seat of someone's Ford Escort, and they're yeah. taking you where you want, and automatically through this app, you're paying them. You get out at the other end. You may never never had a conversation if you put in the destination. Right. So you, you're in a car with a complete stranger taking you to a place, and you hope you get there safely. People are willing to adopt that. Yeah. So people were willing to adopt a little bit of risk and a little bit of a different model, but people understood what it was. And so the fact that that worked, okay, great. Well, what what else will people be willing to do mm-hmm. this idea of the sharing economy? Yeah. Airbnb, right? I'm renting a room out of someone's house, right? I'm sleeping in their third bedroom while they, you know, whatever else is happening in the house or I'm renting the whole house because yeah. they want to do that for that weekend or whatever. You know, the idea that people are willing to do that disrupted a market. And so I think then then you start to think what's the Airbnb of other things of other things yeah, yeah. I think that the um, owners of the Cuddler app yes and Uber and Airbnb should all get together and I don't know it sounds really messed up you could up. build a, a whole new life in a weekend <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I would like to I would like to cuddle with somebody I've never met in a house I've never been to being driven there by somebody I've that, never met yeah well and and actually the driver could be the cuddler. Uh, you could probably roll all the and yeah, own, owns just, the house. Right, exactly. So just somebody could be a, just a professional housemate. <laughs> exactly. <Like. laughs> There's an opportunity here, Dave. I think we need to get on it. Oh, man. <laughs> Crazy stuff. But, th- but that just speaks to the, the idea of that we can look at new ways of doing the same old thing. So the, the transportation services or hotels or, you know, whatever. Yeah. People going to bars to find people to cuddle. I don't know what the, what the previous thing was to that. That one's kind of a, an interesting disruptor yeah. in a way. But it, what it what it shows is that there are legacy kinds of industries or things where we thought this was the way it was always going to be done. Right. If you wanted to stay somewhere, you had to stay at a and b or hotel or resort. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, now you can stay in, in a house that you would ne- that you would never be able to stay in. Right. Yeah. And I think that really that is kind of what we're talking about here is that this idea that the way things are right now are not going to be the way things are right tomorrow or the next day. And that's whether we're just talking about your actual literal business um, or the world at large or what the trends are, what people are willing to do. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Like 20 years ago would people, the the world didn't seem as small 20 years ago. Strangers right. were more strangers. We're more strangers. You know, now yep. people who live in other countries and other areas of the country can feel like friends even though you've never met them and that does shrink the world and it does make people willing to do things they wouldn't other they wouldn't have been willing to do maybe right. in our parents generation. So, sure. yeah. yeah, really keeping your eye on that. And I think, you know, it's so funny because I I kind of have sometimes I'll get a little bit grumpy about 
everybody worshiping millennials <laughs> because right. there is and brand work, especially there is just yep. this like, what are the millennials doing and blah, blah, blah. Right. But I think with it would all be their com- money, with all their, exactly with all their social media. Um, I think that it's one thing to not fall. Like everyone run, I'm, I'm picturing like these stampeding Buffalo all yeah, running yeah. for the millennials. Le- lemmings. Yeah, exactly. It's, you don't want to be that because mm-hmm. The people who have money aren't necessarily in that age group and the people who should be making decisions aren't necessarily always in that age group. But I do think it's, it's also possible to become a little bit curmudgeonly yeah, and sure. to become a little myopic right. and not really embrace new ideas. And so it's like sure. finding that balance really. It is. It's eyes wide open. I think yeah. people that understand what opportunity the millennials present in terms yes. of the size of that generation, right. it's a massive generation in terms of the, the mindset, they think a little bit differently than their parents generation and one immediately before them and so just understanding it and seeing it as an opportunity because they're driving so much of the changes right technology is changing our lives in so many ways yeah and who's driving that is that generation and so understanding that generation so that's why i think people are you know jumping after that but understanding why they could be beneficial or is a market you might want to build for is one thing but just jumping on board because uh, I'm going to make something for millennials and I'll right, right, retire right. a billionaire. You know, right, like, yeah, we're going to invest all of our our uh, company's marketing budget in Snapchat. Yeah. Which guess what? By the time any anytime all the forty plus people get on Snapchat, yes. all the millennials will leave. <laughs> I don't think. Well, it's interesting. That through. <laughs> it's happening with Facebook now. Yeah. So many of the young, young, young kids. Yeah. And, and I'm probably younger than say 24. Yeah are leaving Facebook or oh, not yeah. on as much. Yeah. They've so, been for a while to go to other yeah, platforms, other, Instagram, Ch- yeah. Snapchat and, yep. and others. Right. Yep. So and and that's, that'll always happen. The minute it gets absolutely. cool with older people, yeah. it'll cease to be cool with the younger people and you got to keep your eye on it. Absolutely. So if yeah. you're a Facebook yeah. and you, and this is happening, well, what do you do? You pivot, right? Right. You pivot. Yeah. You, you buy Instagram, you yeah. know, or you, if that's your resource and that's the way that you acquire, you know, approach things and you yeah. go that route or yeah. you develop or you pivot or you do right. something else. I, it's so many times in, in businesses like that. I don't think Facebook is going to do something that's going to drive the millennials back to Facebook. Right. They, they don't might, need to. Cause you think about the brand is Facebook and uh, that's, right. that's old school. Well, right. A new brand that Facebook develops could be, could be the next big thing. Absolutely. This reminds me when we're talking, I, I just occurred to me that you have customers on both ends of the life cycle. I do. <laughs> you serve retirees and wedding people who are getting married. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. It puts you in an interesting position. Yeah. I like to, well, it, this didn't really, this is not a strategy of mine. I don't right. focus on life events uh-huh. as sort of a, uh, as sort of a, a an approach, but it's, yeah. it tends to be, or has been how things have unfolded. So right. yeah, I have a retirement community and some senior based businesses. Yeah. I've got a, a bunch of wedding based businesses, which, yeah. you know, the average age of people getting married is going up a little bit, but our best, our best customer, our best client stays about that same age. So right. a lot younger. So you've got like the grandkids of the seniors right. getting married. And yeah. then that middle generation is the baby boomers. Yeah. And then the generation kind of pretty much the generation getting married right now is kind of the later millennials yeah exactly gen x you know, so yeah yeah but um yeah it's it is interesting but when you think about it so the market's there what can you do for that market right you know and if you're in a business right now where your market is dwindling or things are not happening or sales are slowing or you're noticing if you rely on advertisers which so many people that are content-based people do if if the advertisers are starting to sniff around for other opportunities mm-hmm. you know what what do you need to do to pivot and see what the, the future brings and be ahead of that yeah well, great. Is this a good place to wrap up the week? I think so. It's been an awesome week. It has. I, I love this, this this discussion. I feel like we could probably 
do a few more weeks just about this. Mm -hmm. So next week we'll be back. No, just kidding. (laughs) Pivot point two. (laughs) We'll do that later, but we'll just do it a little bit differently. That's right. With another market in mind. That's right. Or perhaps some new innovation. Pivoting, pivoting for uh, the greatest generation or pivoting for millennials. Exactly. We just want to remind you guys that you can always check out the show notes for every episode at lifeworkpodcast.com. There are also links there where you can email us um, or you can leave us an iTunes rating or review. We would really love that. It helps us a lot. Get, um, Get up there in the ranking. And for a new show, it's a particularly important. Again, we are here every weekday, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. We publish. If you are just catching up, go back over the weekend and just binge on the archives. Oh, yeah. There's some good stuff way now back we've in already the got, and We've only been doing this for four weeks, and we've already got 20 episodes in the can. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and if you want to know more about Megan or myself, our, we actually interview each other and tell yes. our life story, our entrepreneurial journey. So if you want to know more about what's going on in our lives yeah. and what we do and why you should even listen to us, because who are these people, right? Right. We're pretty cool. That's who we We're are. We're pretty cool. Go back and listen. Go back and listen. Those are the bonus episodes that you'd find way back at the beginning. So just go to lifeworkpodcast.com, scroll, you'll find it all. That's it for this week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Life Work Podcast. Build your business and design your life with us every day, Monday through Friday. And find us at lifeworkpodcast.com.